Lekutei Sichai's Chelek Tesvov, Parshas Vayechi, Sicha Aleph. We are learning the Sicha Lilu, Nishmas Yesuf ben Yaman, ben Reb Menashe Kaltman. In this week's Parsha reading, we learn that Yaakov dwelled in Egypt for 17 years until his passing at 147 years old. The first verse of this week's Torah portion reads, Vayechi Yaakov Beretz Mitzrayim, Shvayis Reishonah, and Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. Vayehi yimei Yaakov, in Jacob's days, shnei Yaakov, the years of his life, shva sheva shanim v'arboim u'ma'as shana, were 147 years. The verse has an odd grammatical construct, but oddest yet is the fact that we're told the count of years that Yaakov lived in Egypt. In the previous portion of Ayigash, we learn that upon his descent into Egypt, Yaakov was 130 years old. And this verse tells us that his lifespan was 147 years. But we can do the math. Torah, which has no extra words, need not calculate the 17 years. Towards what end is this calculation made in the verse? In fact, if there is reason for us to know this specifically, that Yaakov lived in Egypt for a total of 17 years, then this calculation actually should follow directly onto the verse in the previous Parsha that tells us that at 130, Yaakov went down to Egypt, as in, and he dwelled for 17 years there in Egypt. And the calculation of the 147 years of Yaakov's life would be self-understood. Commentaries explain this by saying that the breakdown of this first verse, the construct of the verse, Vayechi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Shvayis Reishona, Vayehi Yemei Yaakov, Shnei Chayov, Sheva Shanim, V'arboim Uma'as Shana, in fact tells us that the 17 years of Yaakov's life in Egypt were years of real living. The 130 years before coming down to Egypt were such bad years, years of such difficulty and angst. These years included running from Esav, years of spiritual and physical challenge and suffering while living with his father-in-law, Lavan, then the loss of Yosef when his sons sold their brother, and Yaakov mourned his absence for 22 years. But the 17 years in Egypt were years that were not just challenge and trouble-free. Yaakov lived a very good life of peace and calm and comfort with all his descendants around him living in his way. His son Yosef, viceroy in Egypt, so this was really the first experience of Yaakov truly living. The commentary suggests that the Torah enumerates the years of his life to tell us that the final 17 years, the living years, caused Yaakov to forget the previous 130 years of pain and angst so that all his years looked equally good. The challenge in that explanation is that though indeed the last 17 years were good enough to perhaps allow Yaakov to forget the pain of the preceding years, it seems presumptuous to evaluate just for purpose of saying that they were equally good, an all-in-all statement obliterating the 130 years of true difficulty and even celebrating the 17 really good years. To begin to resolve this, we need to look at the Medrash Rabbah, Bracious Rabbah, Rashi's source for his explanation on the first verse in this Parsha, 
and the slight deviation Rashi makes in bringing the Medrash. The Medrash says, look at this Parsha. It's unusual in that it's written differently in the Torah to every other Parsha. No space separates Vayigash from Vayechi in the Torah scroll. Vayechi follows Vayigash after only a narrow blank space, less than a letter in width. This is called a Parsha Stuma, a closed paragraph. And the Medrash asks, Lama Parsha Zustuma? Why is this Parsha closed, Mikol HaParsha Shaltaira, in a way that is different from all the portions in Taira? Ella, Kivan Sheniftar Avinu Yaakov, however, from when our father Jacob passed, Ischila Shibud Mitzrayim Al Yisrael. Egypt's subjugation of Israel began. And the Medrash gives another reason, Dover Achar. Lama Hustuma, another reason that it's closed, Yaakov desired to reveal the end of exile, and it became closed off to him. And then the Medrash adds, Another reason that it is closed off, Because what became concealed to Yaakov was the suffering that he had lived with in his life. Now, the question that the Medrash is presenting is why is this Parsha closed, stuma? Why does it appear in the Torah in this way with no space before the word Vayechi, which begins the new Parsha, as there are spaces with all other Parshas? The answer the Medrash gives is puzzling, both by virtue of the conclusion of the portion of Vayigash which relates the positive state of the children of Israel living in the land of Goshen after their descent into Egypt, enjoying a prolific life, both spiritually and physically, and by virtue of the first word of the new Parsha, Vayechi, and he lived. Surely the reason for the Stuma should then be a positive one. Like the additional and final reason that the Medrash gives, that once Yaakov came down to Egypt, the memory of his past travails became closed off to him. Yet, this reason only comes last in a series of three reasons, beginning with what appears to be negative reasons for the Parsha Stuma. Even Rashi, sourcing his answer in this Medrash, too begins his explanation with this negative reason, that as soon as Yaakov passed, the eyes and the heart of the people became closed, life became dark, because of the misery of the slavery that began in Egypt, which is really challenging. As the foundation of Rashi's explanations are Pshutish mikra the literal intention of the verses, and the question, again, was why no separation between the end of Vayigash, which is so positive, and Vayechi, and Yaakov lived? How does Rashi an- Rashi's answer address Pshutay Shal Mikra? In fact, that third positive reason that the Medrash does bring, Rashi does not bring at all. And the two prior reasons that the Medrash teach us, teaches and Rashi quotes, could or should have perhaps been brought by Rashi in the reverse order, first quoting the reason that indeed reflects Vayechi, the life of Yaakov, that in his lifetime Yaakov sought to reveal the end of exile to his sons and the date became concealed from him. It's at the very least a less harsh reason than the first reason that Rashi quotes. 
The first reason in the Medrash about Yaakov's passing and the beginning of their servitude. But in fact, it is this very reality, commentaries teach, the passing of Yaakov and events before his passing that this Torah portion, Vayachi, deals with. The life of Yaakov and his descent into Egypt and the goodness in the land in Egypt was already discussed in Parsha's Vayigash. When we question which reason truly addresses the non-separation, this closed portion in the Torah scroll, between the two portions of Vayigash and Vayechi, the question of the Parsha Stuma, whether it's because after Yaakov's passing the subjugation of Israel began in Egypt, or because Yaakov had wanted to reveal the end of exile and it became closed off to him, we wonder if perhaps this stuma should not have been placed somewhere in the middle of the Torah portion. When these very issues, Yaakov gathering his sons to reveal the end day of exile, or when the Torah speaks about his passing of Yaakov, are discussed. To which Mefarshim commentaries respond, saying that a stuma at the beginning of a new parsha is far more obvious than one in the middle of a Torah portion. When there is no separation between two parshias, it's understood that the lack of separation is not relevant to details in the new parsha, but rather points to the general theme of the new parsha, in this case, the passing of Yaakov. This helps us understand why Rashi omits the third explanation that the Medrash brings, that from the time that Yaakov descended into Egypt, his troubled past became sosum, forgotten. That reason is not relevant to the theme of this Parsha, and hence Rashi does not even bring it as a reason for the Parsha Stuma. It doesn't address the literal intention of the verses of Ayechi. That third reason is not relevant here in the context of the historical timeline of the events that this Parsha focuses on. Indeed, Yaakov's suffering may have become forgotten and closed off when he arrived in Egypt, but that is about the 17 years of his life prior to his passing. It's not about his passing. As well, in terms of thematic content, this reason that, Yaakov's, that Yaakov lived 17 good years is not relevant to the theme of this Parsha. This will also facilitate our understanding of the order in which Rashi brings the two prior reasons brought in the Medrash. The passing of Yaakov is primary, and of course the answer for the stuma that is closest to Pshutei Shal Mikra, the literal intention of the verses. We remain, however, wondering about the opening words of a Torah portion that deals with Yaakov's passing, Vayechi Yaakov, and Yaakov lived, more so the words following that, that he lived 17 years in the land of Egypt. These words seem to be particularly relevant to the final verses of the portion of Vayigash. Perhaps the division of Torah portions should have been Vayechi Yaakov Beretz Mitzrayim Shva Esri Shana, and Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years, as the concluding words of Vayigash, and the words Vayehi Yemei Yaakov, the total days of the life of Yaakov, were 147 years, the beginning of Vayechi. And of course, there is the well-known teaching that the name of a Torah portion reflects the entire content and theme of that Parsha. How then does the name Vayechi reflect the content of a Parsha which is about Yaakov's passing?
Pnimiya Satira teaches that the true essence of a life is a life that remains eternal. And in truth, only God is eternal and the source of all eternality. The prophet Yermiyahu in chapter 10, Perak Yud, Posuk Yud, verse 10, states, V'havaya lekim emes hu lekim chayim. Hashem is true. He's a living God. Emes, truth, is an eternal reality. It has no end. It does not pause nor change, nor does it fluctuate. When something does fluctuate and lacks emes, it is called chozov, falsehood. Hence, the example of rivers that do not flow consistently but dry up once in seven years and are referred to as rivers of falsehood and cannot be used for ritual purification. The waters cease, and they lack the consistency of truth. Our sages thus say God's signature is the word emes, truth, a composite of the first letter, the aleph, the central letter, the mem, and the final letter, the sof, of the entire aleph base, a reflection of the consistency, continuity, and eternality of the divine. Man, however, isn't an existence of truth, for man on his own is a creature whose life ceases, and passes, and whose creation has a beginning, unless one is connected and attached to God. A Jew is called a living being because he is bound up with God. You who are connected to God live today and for all eternity. What kind of eternality is that, and how does this manifest? This bond with God becomes obvious when a person experiences the challenges and the confusion of a physical world, which by nature conceals truth, and he remains whole and unmoving in his fulfillment of Torah and mitzvahs. Accordingly, too, we can understand the connection of the opening words, Vayechi Yaakov, and Yaakov lived, to the theme of this Torah portion, Yaakov's passing, and how these words represent this theme. All the years that Yaakov lived in Canaan, in Eretz Yisrael, despite his travails and suffering, he lived as a Merkava, in complete alignment and attachment to God's will, as one of the Avas, the forefathers, to whom the, the Mishnah, do not trust in yourself unto the day of your death, is relevant just as it is to every man, And so even though he saw that his children, his grandchildren, were righteous, they were living in Eretz Yisrael. Until entering a foreign land, it could not be known if the years of Yaakov's life were truly chayim, eternal years of life. But the descent into Egypt, living in the most depraved land, Yaakov remained whole until his last moment, and his descendants remained whole. They remained righteous, mitasai shlema, including Yosef, who served as viceroy in a foreign land at the behest of a foreign ruler, and Yosef's children, both Menashe and Ephraim, born in a foreign land, remained whole to the extent that we bless our children. May God make you as Ephraim and Menashe. It was only once this descent took place that the life of Yaakov was revealed, telling us that all the years of his existence were truly living years, despite the external picture of pain and suffering and angst. Those last 17 years, indeed, pointed to the fact that they were all equally chayim, living years. Hence the parsha is called Vayechi, and he lived, 
though it speaks of events close to Yaakov's passing and his actual passing and events thereafter. When the Gemara in Maseches Tainus teaches, Yaakov avinu loimes, mazare b'chayim afu b'chayim, our father Yaakov did not die, his children live and so he lives, as the Torah doesn't use the term death for Yaakov's passing, this is because Zara b'chayim. Yaakov's life is eternal, much as God is eternal, in that his children, the physical representation of Yaakov's con- continuity, carry on living, carries on living in his children. It's not just a soul issue, it's in the physical eternality of Yaakov's true life. This deeply enhances the name of the Parsha, Vayechi, and he lived. For it tells us that not only does Yaakov's life carry on, but particularly after his passing, one can experience and observe the eternality of Yaakov's life. In this light, we can now reconsider the third answer given in Medrash, which Rashi does not quote, that the Parsha is a stuma because Yaakov forgot the suffering of the past 130 years. The pain of exile, living in Egypt, the experience of a seemingly endless darkness with no light of redemption in sight, and the continued attachment to God and ongoing faith in redemption reveals that Torah mitzvahs are the true life force of a Jew. The pain Yaakov experienced in the 130 years in Eretz Yisrael were not yet indication that this was a true vayechi. The absoluteness of the vayechi was really only revealed in Egypt when Yaakov couldn't reveal the end of exile. Not only the Vayechi of Yaakov is revealed, but also the purpose of exile is revealed, and the purpose of the suffering of exile, the revelations to come in redemption. Rashi's very words in the second explanation, quoted from the Medrash, Shabikesh Legale Sasaketz Lubanov, Yaakov wanted to reveal the day exile would end. He wanted to reveal the purpose of exile. Venista Mimenut became closed off to him. Allude to this very reality. The concealment of this day isn't about concealment itself. It's about fulfilling the final revelation and redemption. For redemption to be whole, exile too, so to speak, must be whole, and redemption must remain concealed. The steam of the cates was the preparation for the redemption and the ultimate revelations.